text and what Pastor had this, this morning with the bulletins, like I said, were already made. So if you would, please turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 2. 1 Kings chapter 2. Um, I believe that we will find some wisdom uh, today from this passage as we look at uh, King David's final words. Um, I think that there's a lot of things here that are applicable to our lives, and I hope that it encourage us this day and point us to Christ. So if you would, please follow along with me, beginning in verse 1 of 1 Kings chapter 2. Let's remember that this is the word of God. Let's take heed how we hear it. When David's time to, draw, to die drew near, he commanded Solomon his son, saying, I am about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. That the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons pay close attention to their way, to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Amen. Well, like I said, I'd like to, to look at the first few final words of David this morning. We know that David is a man after God's own heart, and now he is lying on his deathbed. And for those of us who have been around for just a little while, we know that sometimes the most important words are those that come from those who are facing eternity. Sometimes the most profound wisdom is given there, the deepest confessions are spoken as people face death. And I think that it's no different in this passage. We see several instances of this in the scripture of people speaking their final words. And we're fortunate enough this morning to look at David. And in the beginning of this record, we see David commanding Solomon to be a man. And that is really what I want to focus on today. I want to address what it is to be a man and what manhood is. If I was to say that manhood in general in the world is going well, I would be lying to you. There's a crisis of manhood today, and it is a big issue. And the topic of manhood is a big issue. And I'm not going to have time today to work through exactly what a man is. I'm not going to give you a nice, concise, seven-word definition that we need to memorize. And I'm not going to get into all the different qualities and attributes that make a man. And that if you do these certain tasks, or you fulfill these certain roles, that somehow you've reached an achievement of a certain quality. But I think this is important because so often... In this society, much of the problems that we have is because men aren't men. 
And I'm not going to stand up here and make excuses for men today. I'm not going to stand up here and say that it's not our fault. But I do hope to kind of explain some of the difficulties that we have as trying to figure out what is a man and what is a man supposed to do. And I think we have great guidance from David here to Solomon on what biblical manhood looks like. And I think that as we study this and as we we see what David is telling Solomon to do, that we will be and that we will have a greater impact as men and as fathers and husbands and fellow brothers in church. I, I, I want us to look at really three things. I want to see this, this call to, to being a man, this call to manhood. And then I want to see us, I want us to see what the duties of a, of a man is and what they are, what those things entail. But as we go through here, we'll see that man falls short. And so our final point, I want us to point us to the one man who hasn't failed in his duties, Christ. And I want us to see that we all need a man in our life, and that's Christ. Now, though I'm talking about the concept of man and manhood, ladies, don't block me out or fall asleep. Because what we do as men does affect ladies, doesn't it? And for us as men, our best helper in our fight for authentic manhood and our fight to be godly men is the women in our lives, particularly our wives. We need our wives to push us to Jesus more. They know us the best. They can tell when when we're starting to struggle or we get so laser-focused on a particular thing. We need them to pull us back into reality and to show us what... We need to do. And so your contribution to, our, to us is important. And not only that, I think as we go through this text and we look at a few other passages, that there are things that apply not just to men, but to all Christians. It's important that all Christians have integrity, that all Christians have honesty. And I think that as we kind of look through some of these things, it might help you as well. And hopefully as we leave today, we leave looking to Christ and we are closer to Christ than we were, than we were when we first walked in this door. So if you would, let's, let's read again verses 1 and 2. When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon his son, saying, I am about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man. We'll pause there for a moment. David isn't telling Solomon Hey, don't cry when I'm gone. Some people think that, and that could be because how often men do we hear, men don't cry. That's not what David's telling Solomon to do. He's telling him, hey, you are about to enter manhood. You're about to be a king, and you are about to have to put, in a sense, all of your duties as a man to the test. And it is your job to fulfill those duties, to fulfill your role as a man. Like I said, David is on his deathbed, and this is the first thing he comes out of the gate with to Solomon. Be strong. Show yourself a man. And most scholars think Solomon is about 20 years old at this time. 
And all of us men who are above 20 can think back to when we were. And even you ladies can think back to when you're 20. And, and this time frame in a person's life is very, very critical, especially for young men. Because what's been going on? Well, probably for the last five years or maybe more, we as boys that are turning into men are thinking about the qualities and, and what we need to do to be men. And it's kind of been okay because we've had our, our teachers or maybe our coaches, people to kind of guide us. But right now we're starting to pivot. Maybe we're in our job, maybe the military, maybe college, and we're starting to really kind of get out on our own. And really all of these attributes, all of these things that we think are important to being a man, they're about to hit the road. The rubber is going to connect and we're about to go on the ride of our lives. And though most 20-year-old men wrestle and struggle with this sort of idea, none of us are about to be a king. But Solomon is. And so there's this added sort of urgency to understand what being a man is. It's a pivotal time in Solomon's life. And it's a pivotal time in all of our lives. And so regardless of the fact that we aren't coming to a kingly kingship role, we still need to be men. There's nowhere in Scripture where it talks about men being boys their whole life. It doesn't say be a boy until you're 80 and die, right? But what are we seeing? Boys in their 20s, 30s, and 40s right now. Guys who don't want to go to work. And when they do, they don't want to work hard. We're having a crisis of manhood. And as we read here, we see David challenging Solomon to be a man. Well, that's great, right? We all could say, we need men. We need, we need godly men. But, but what's the definition? So this is great, right? We have this all here. And, and we'll get to that here in a second. But what I want us to understand is where often do we look for this sort of definition? I'm not going to try to, um, like I said, make excuses. But understanding what man, what a man is supposed to do and what a man is, is not as easy as a lot of us thought it would be or think it is. Like I said, there's many definitions of this. And, and we turn often, young men and even guys throughout their whole life will turn and look for different helps with what they need to do and one of the places we turn to is society and we see these when we ask ourselves what what is a man we see movies and we think of john wayne right rambo and so we start from a very young age thinking that a man is someone who's strong who can be violent right they don't cry they don't deal with things, right? Society influences what we think men should be. And, that's, and that can be um, kind of a dangerous thing because society constantly, what? Changes. And in the 40s and 50s, the idea of a man was somebody who went overseas and fought, right? 
There were so many men who, who weren't medically qualified and they struggled with the thought that they couldn't go serve their country overseas. Why? Because that's what the men were doing. And somehow they're missing a mark in their life. They can't live up to being a man. A man. And unfortunately, there was lots of men committing suicide at that time because of that very thing. And all these men come back, they buy houses, they start careers, and they don't talk about what happened. Many veterans, or many kids of, um, that had parents, or their dads that fought in World War II, they, they don't know what they did. My grandfather fought in World War II, never really talked about what he did. And in the 60s, what happened? The definition of a man had changed a little bit. It didn't go from necessarily working hard and providing for a family, but rather it sort of had this rebellious type of attitude, right? To go against the establishment, to be your own person, to be free. I'm not going to be like my dad who went and worked for somebody and slaved away, right? No, I'm, I'm going to do my own thing. And that sort of rebellious, wild nature was exalted, and that was sort of the thing that made a man a man. And it changed in the 80s, didn't it? In the 90s. And it's changed a lot. And right now, we have people that don't even know what a man is. So society does sort of influence us. And this is one of the things that us as guys have to try to figure out. What, what's good and what's not. The other thing that affects kind of our definition of a man is, is our families. Some of us were raised in a, in a house with a good father. And some of us were raised in a house that didn't have a good father. Perhaps the father was absent. Perhaps um, the father died when they were young. But regardless of the situation, family does affect us. My brother always walks around when we're together. <clears throat> He's the one right underneath me. And he'll punch me in the shoulder and say, don't be a, be a man, don't rub it. Right? But what's that from? We're joking. But men are tough, right? Don't show weakness. So our, our, our family affects the way we think about manhood. So do our friends. And what's crazy about that is so often your friends are the ones close in your age. And they're probably experiencing the same thing. And so your friends tell you what they're thinking a man is. But yet they're still just as confused as, as you are, Right? Finally, you're you as a young man. This sounds crazy and it, because it doesn't make sense, but it makes sense. That you as a man know exactly what a man is, but you have no idea what it is. Maybe a better way to explain that is you know what kind of man you want to be, but you don't know how to get there. Things... You know, we think of these, these manly traits. I'm supposed to be strong and tough, right? But what's really hard for us is how do we quantify that, right? How do we quantify what strong is? Is strong being able to be in the 1,000-pound club or my bench and my deadlift and my squat all reach that level? Is that what my goal should be? So I, should I be working on my nutrition and my, my weightlifting so that I can get there? But if I'm, if I'm that, 
I, I can't be like those guys that can run marathons. Are those guys considered strong? Am I somewhere in the middle? Do I, do I, am I, do I be strong cardiovascularly? Do I, do I be strong? Do fit, what, what do I need to do? I, I know I'm supposed to protect those around me. What, what, what do I need to do to that? Do I need to be, in, do I need to be a black belt in karate? Do I need to take Brazilian jiu-jitsu? Do I need to get really good with firearms? Oh, like, what do I do, right? And depending on where we look, the answer is completely different. And, and I think this leads to, to, to the lack of manhood that we see in society. If you, if you look at the stats, I, it's incredible the things that we're seeing. When, when, when men aren't men, and they don't provide for their families, and they don't provide for their wives, the family suffers. I mean, it's, 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 it's just crazy. Um, the, the, the amount of people in jail that, are, that come from fatherless families, the, the amount of, of young girls that get into all kinds of trouble from the lack of a fatherhood figure, the, the, the women, one stat said that, that almost half of the population of single mothers live below the poverty line. And, and the lack of manhood doesn't affect just everybody. And trying to figure out what a man should do can, can be a, a, a burdensome task. And, and what I mean by that is, is you're trying to figure this out and, and you get into your 20s and, and you think you have a good idea and then you try to put those things in practice and, and, and you find out that you're wrong. It becomes discouraging. And eventually, the bench on the sidelines looks like a very comfortable spot. So, how do we define manhood? We know it's important. Society needs it, right? Your family needs it. And more than ever, you need it. But, how, how, do, we, how do we quantify this? How do we define this? What do we need to do? To, to get back to biblical manhood. And that's what I want to look at. What are, what are our duties? And I'm not going to give you, once again, like I said, a list. We're going to look here and we're going to see um, a lot of, of references to certain qualities. But what I want us to do today is instead of looking to society or to other places, I want us to look to the Word of God to see what a man is. Because I can come up with all these great ideas, but if it's apart from Scripture, it's completely worthless. So, the duties of a man. Thankfully for us, the man after God's own heart does not leave his son or us hanging as to what our duties are. Look with me at most of verse 3. David Tell Solomon to be strong and show yourself a man. And then he says, And keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes and his commandments, his rules and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses. So what David says is, Be a man. And this is how you're a man. By obeying God. If you think of the strong men in your life, not always the toughest physically, 
maybe they've never done crazy physical acts of strength, but they often walk very close to God. And as you start to look up to people, and if you've been in church, who are the men that you start to look up to? The saints, the old saints. Why? Because they're close to God. And when we walk with God, and as we get to know God more, what happens? We become better men. And so there's something that attracts, that's attractful to us to learn and more. And so David says, Solomon, follow God's statutes or statutes to follow his laws, to follow his instructions. And so I want to, I want to talk a little bit uh, about those Ten Commandments. But notice and know that there is much guidance on what it is to be a man all throughout Scripture. We're going to look at the Ten Commandments, but then, we're, but then also understand the Sermon on the Mount. Right? Because guys can very easily let me let me say this again being a man is not always defined by what you do it's about who you are everything is always the heart issue and that's what Jesus talks about in the sermon on the mount but we're going to go back to the 10 commandments because that's what Solomon had at the time and that's what I want us to look back. So he, he points Solomon back to uh, the law to, to understand some of these man, manly t- tasks that he needs to do. And Exodus 20 is where we can find um, uh, in the account of the Ten Commandments. And, and the first 11 verses deal with, with our relationship to, to God. And ladies, this is where I was telling you, don't shut me off because these, there's some good Christian characteristics that are going to start to show themselves here. <clears throat> For example, in verse 3, we see in the first commandment that we should have no other gods before us. But we often think, men, that we can fulfill this role, don't we? We don't need to turn to God for guidance. We can, we can be the, the God of our own life, right? And in the next several verses, we, we see that we shouldn't make an idol. So often we see this and we think that we're good because we're not constructing a statue out of stone or carving something out of wood. But what do we do? Guys can be very, very good idol makers. Things like work. Things like hobbies. Sometimes even our families can take away from what the Lord would have us to do. And so we need to safeguard. So we start to see things that are, are emerging, right? These, these characteristics. We should, we should be reverent to God. We should want to worship. We need to be protectors, right? Protect ourselves and our families from these things that might pull us away from God. We also see the the reference to keeping the Sabbath. And, and that's a, a whole different topic, but in short, is, is going to church important to us? Are, do, we, do we see that as, as necessary for our growth as a man? Or do we kind of see this as something that's not that important? 
And the following verses, 12 through 17, really deal with our relationship towards mankind. We're supposed to honor our parents, right? And, and what happens and why do we do that? Well, because we're, we're teaching our kids as parents to be respectful. And why is that important? Because they need to be respectful as they get older. Right? So a man's respectful. Now, what are all the steps to being respectful? Does that mean we touch our hat when we when we're walk past somebody out on the road? Do we open doors? I'll, I'll let you figure that out. But at the same time, we should be men that are respectable. And we learn this from the Lord. Do, are we respectful to our wives, to our children? We learn all this from our parents. Um... <clears throat> Also, as Christians and, and as men, like I said, I mentioned before, we're protectors, right? We don't, we don't murder. We take life seriously and do our best to help others enjoy life, to grow and to mature, and we care for them. And, and we voice our concerns against injustices, and we defend those who can't defend themselves. We're protectors. We're defenders. These are qualities of man. We don't steal we're honest, we're trustworthy, we keep ourselves pure, we keep our marriage pure, we need to watch and pay close attention to what we watch and what we think about. Are we going to be strong and stand against the tidal wave of junk that comes through there? Or are we going to be weak and say, well, all my friends say this is a good movie, so let me watch it? I think so often people think of Christians as, and Christian men as weak, as, as um, non-intelligent. And yet, that's exactly the opposite. It takes strength to stand on the truth of God's word. It takes strength to tell your friends, no, I'm not going to do that. It takes, it takes strength to be back to work from your lunch break on time. Even though your boss may not necessarily care and all the other co-workers show up late. I want to be trustworthy. I want to show myself a good servant of, of God. So I'm going to show up on time. We don't gossip and slander against our neighbors in order to make us seem better. We're truthful. We don't covet, become jealous of other people's things and start to become ungrateful to God. So we just see from some of these commands that we ought to be Men of honor, integrity, that we should fulfill our duties. We should be respectful. We should be strong. We should also be kind and caring and loving. And there's so many other traits in here. 
It's interesting because as I was looking at all this, <clears throat> there's so many different traits. And in fact, if I was to ask everybody here to pull out a piece of paper and write the top five qualities of a man on a piece of paper, I would almost guarantee you that no single two match up. That everybody would have a slightly different. And then, as, and then if we were to, to take one of those characteristics and try to define it, there would be multiple different definitions of that. But we have God's word to go to. We, we can see what it means to be honest. We can see what it means to be respectful. We use God's law as a guardrail for our lives and character. We can go to the Ten Commandments. We can go to the Sermon on the Mount. We can ask older and more mature men, how do we deal with certain things that we have going on in our life and how we should better live out these godly characteristics? That's what David wanted Solomon to do, to fulfill his duties. And a lot of this was because of the promise that the Lord gave to David as part of the Davidic covenant. And we see that in verse 4. Look with me in verse 4, back in 1 Kings 2. It says that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons pay close attention to their way, to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart, with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. <clears throat> well, we all know that Solomon, though he was considered the wisest man in the whole world, struggled. And he eventually failed. He didn't keep himself pure, and he sinned in many other ways. And ultimately, throughout the history of Israel, the kingship fell away. But that's where I want to point us to the man that we all need into our life. The best man, the ultimate man, Jesus Christ. Because what really comes out, and what is this reference to in verse 4? Christ. Christ is on the throne and continues to, to, to rule his church. And continues to reign over the world. And he is the man who came from David's line. So we see that all this points back to Christ. And this is the ultimate example of what a man should be. You see, Jesus did not just keep the law on the outside. He kept it on the inside. And like I said, this is what we see on the Sermon on the Mount. And we see later in, in, in Paul's um, letters and epistles where he gives us practical guidance. Though one man, Adam, failed, and all the men after him failed because of one act, one act of a righteous man, fix that. And that's why we can come to him because Christ didn't fail where all of us fail. He can fix the things that are broken. He can restore us to where we need to be. Like I said, this is, this is why we have the Sermon on the Mount. Because Jesus says it's, it's not just important 
to, to be a man on the outside, but we need to be men on the inside, right? Because who is really, really good about keeping the law? The Pharisees and the Sadducees. What did Jesus tell them that they were? A bunch of whitewashed tombs. And man, I know that you can fool others, maybe by your actions, but I know you can't fool yourself, and you don't fool God. Christ is the one we can look to, and Christ can be the one that helps us fulfill our roles as a man. Was Christ kind? Yeah. Was he kind and loving and respectful in ways that we might think? The ways that society said it was? Think about Christ's interaction with the woman at the well. Crushing and breaking almost every societal stereotype that was prevalent at that era. When it comes to to looking at characteristics, we can look to Christ. And just for an example, uh, you know, we, we often hear the, this, the quality of love being thrown around so much today, right? Was it loving for Christ to call the Pharisees a, a brood of vipers? Yeah. Do we let, is it loving to, to let our kids do whatever they want, to ride their bikes in the street, to stay up late, to watch whatever they want? Is that loving? No. And sometimes loving can seem hard even if they can't understand it at the time. So often, we're the same way, right? God's bringing us through something and we know that he loves us. And it doesn't seem like it. We don't believe it. But God does love us. Is it loving to someone to compromise the truth? No. So as you think about these qualities and traits, I want us to remember that we have the example of Christ in our life. The reason that Christ loved God and fulfilled all of his roles is because of his love for God. And I will tell you that your resolve to be a better man, your resolve to follow after Christ, does not come from self-will to follow commandments, but rather it comes out of the love for Christ. Thomas Brooks, an old Puritan, said, Every man obeys Christ as he prizes Christ, and no otherwise. What Thomas or what Brooks is saying here is that unless you love Christ, you're not going to want to follow him. And so, as we begin to close here, I want to ask you how has men not being men affected you? And I know that 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 men who fail in their roles can cause extreme pain. Maybe you're sitting here today and you say, I didn't have a father who, you know, taught me what a Christian man should be like. Or maybe I was wounded emotionally by a man 
whatever the case may be, I, I want you to understand and I w- would ask that you don't let the actions of a sinful man keep you away from the man who has never sinned. I, I can't begin to try to sympathize or empathize with, with certain sort of traumas and certain sort of situations and, and certain experiences. And, and I'm not going to say that if you turn to Christ, all the pain is going to go away. Everything's going to be better. But I can tell you that your soul will be better and that Christ will never let you down like other people have in your life. That he was, he'll always be there to be a shoulder to cry on. He'll always be there for an ear for you to talk to. And his arms are always open for him to hold you. Men, maybe we're sitting here today and we think we got it under control. We think I'm doing pretty good. All my friends think so. If I was to compare myself to society, I'm doing okay. My bench is over 300 pounds, so I'm good. Let's not fool ourselves. We need God. One of the worst things that men do is we think that we don't need help with anything and that we can do everything on our own. And that just doesn't mean we figure out how to change a tire on our own or how to skin a deer on our own. We often turn things into that are critical, like let me figure out my marriage on my own or let me figure out how to be a dad on my own. And we need other men in our lives to help us. We really, really do. But worse than that, so often we think we can work our salvation out on our own. And I will tell you that many a man have tried to do that. We see that all throughout the Bible, that there's only one man who did that, and that's Christ. And that's why we need him. How can you be a better man? By being in the word. By linking up with other men. By knowing what God's commandments are, by studying. Like I said, I I wasn't, I'm not able to give you a a definition and I'm not going to lay out these certain qualities that's for you to find in scripture and to see but what I want to tell you is instead of looking all around for help look to the Bible first look to God's word it's finished it's complete and it, it has everything we need in it to live godly lives rely on your wives men we need them Ladies, you are an important role in your husband's quest to be a better man. And so often what we don't need is for you to pull us closer to you. We need you to push us closer to Christ. And as you do that, we will be closer to you as a, as a husband and father. Or as a husband and as a father to our children. We need to look and to remember that Christ was the ultimate man. And might we, as we go through life, seek to follow his example. 
as we become godly men. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment, this time to open your word, and I pray, Father, that it was done so with a sincere heart and motives. And I ask, Father, that it would help, help encourage us as men, help us encourage the women, the ladies, that we might all be intent on staring at your Son, to look to him for every aspect of our life, to be encouraged, and ultimately to give him honor for the life that he lived. So often in times, men and people have let us down, but you never have let us down. And we thank you, Father, for your faithfulness to us, for being our source of strength. And might we rely on you more this day and forevermore. Amen.